<laughs> Nothing much. Are you far away or are you or is, are you on the? No, I'm I'm far away. Should we get going? Might as well. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a shot about one thing, watching Curb Your Enthusiasm for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about Season 9, Episode 8, Never Wait for Seconds at the Disco. I just said that because there's an exclamation point at the end, and it's rare that... Well, it's not rare this season. There are three episodes with punctuation, but it's been rare across the series to have any punctuation uh, in the title, not even "Thank you for your service," which, which, "Thank you for your service," which is a complete sentence. I, I don't think even has a period at the end. So, no, um, we've had we've had foisted, and we ha- will have fatwa. Spoiler alert uh, for episode ten. This one is is another one that has an exclamation point in it. Never wait for seconds. Uh, before that, though, what's the deal with stuff from not our last episode because that was our belated festivist New Year's special. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the last episode we talked about was Namaste. And uh, the first thing I wanted to know was, were the songs that Leon plays, which supersede Larry David's use of the backup camera, were those real songs? Because uh, I wrote down the titles as he scrolled through them. The first one was Watch Me Do My Thing by Young Sonny Co-Claw Kenner, which is what it said on the display screen there which i thought was kind of weird but that is a real song credited to chuck d beat crew and young sunny on the 2014 chuck d beat crew album chuck d presents slam jam records Uh. (laughs) chuck d presents slam jam records some results do credit the singer trinity uh, on that track as well but from what i saw i think on um on Spotify, it's just the Chuck D beat crew and Young Sonny. Uh, the next song that Leon scrolls to is Hey Bro, which is credited to Chuck D beat crew featuring Trinity. And that's another real song from 2014's Chuck D presents Mixtape Madness. <laughs> and the one that I couldn't see, the, the cut really too quick to read anymore of the title was Grinding for Money. That is credited to Trinity, T-R-I-N-I-T-I, another real song. The other, There's another artist credited on it, though, that maybe you know cut too quick for me to read um, uh, on the, uh, the broadcast. The other artist is Horror, a rapper just called Horror, hmm. and that is also found on Chuck D Presents Slam Jam Records from 2014. <laughs> uh, you can find all of these songs on YouTube or Spotify if you're making a Curb Your Enthusiasm mix. I, oh I demand God. you include these. <laughs> <laughs> I would play clips, but, um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know the lyrics. And the only the only person allowed to say the N-word on this show is Larry David. Yeah, so yeah. We're, we'll we're not <laughs> we're not saying it. No, no. No, no, no. Yeah. I would have even played some through the microphone or something, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm, we'll I'm just, still a little uncomfortable with that. I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> Let's just, you know, do you can do your own research. Like I said, they're on YouTube and Spotify. I was yeah. very shocked to I'll, find out. I'll uh, I'll be playing something else offensive in just a second. <laughs> right, I can't wait. <laughs> uh, so Larry says that uh, to Will Sasso, the HVAC guy, he's like, if you had to make a Sophie's choice between heating and air conditioning, <laughs> which would you choose? And so he he makes the guy, you know, choose that. And we we both kind of knew that Sophie's choice meant impossible choice. But yeah, neither of us really knew the story behind that phrase. I knew it was from like a book or a movie or something like that or a movie based on a book. So I I was like, finally, just like Life of Riley, we're going to look up this uh, weird phrase. Sophie's choice is a 1982 American psychological drama directed and written by Alan J. Pakula adapted from a 1979 novel called Sophie's Choice. The film version stars stars Meryl Streep as Zofia Sophie Zawistowski, a Polish immigrant to America with a dark secret from her past, who shares a boarding house in Brooklyn with her temptuous lover Nathan, played by Kevin Kline in his first feature film, and a young writer named Stingo, played by Peter McNichol, who you might know from the Patreon no hugging, no learning feature, Ghostbusters 2. He plays the, um, what's his name? Milos or something like that? No, it's not Milos. That's the guy from uh, Seinfeld. Um, where are you from? I'm trying to think of that. Anyway, remember. you know, he plays the guy uh, that works at the uh, the museum with Sigourney Weaver. Or wait, is that Sigourney Weaver? No, it's the shit. other one that I always mix up with Sigourney <laughs> Weaver, isn't it? <laughs> um, oh, I think it is Sigourney Weaver. That's definitely Sigourney Weaver. Not Now I can't even <laughs> think of who I mix up her with. <laughs> All right, we'll look it up. Why not? Yeah, Sigourney Weaver, Dana Barrett, and 
Dr. Jan... Janusz, that's what it is. Janusz. I was like, Jan Janos? Oh, Janusz, Janusz. That's right. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, upper vest side. One of my favorite line deliveries in... Where are you from, Janusz? Upper vest side? Um, so, the film received five nominations at the 55th uh, Academy Awards for Best Adapted Screenplay, Cinematography, Costume Design, Original Score, and Meryl Streep won the award for Best Actress, uh, as always. In the novel... Uh, and I guess the movie, which is set during World War II, the title character must choose between the lives of her two children while imprisoned in the Nazi concentration camp Auschwitz. She is given the impossible choice. Pick one to live while the other is gassed or else watch both die. It's the feel-good movie of 1982, as you might hear. Um, so for Sophie, of course, there is no best option and even not making a choice carries a heavy consequence. Either she chooses one of her children to die and lives with the guilt or watches both of them die while knowing she could have saved one's life. The mm. title and situation it represents became an analogy for choices that are similarly difficult for the person making them, or a you know you can use it in a joking hyperbolic way, which I think is the only way I've ever used it. Yeah, you know? yeah. I, I mean, it's yeah. it's not a very serious usage of the of the hyperbole right. saying. Which would you rather have, heating or cooling? Yeah, <laughs> but Larry does say, "Wow, so you sent heating to the concentration camp," um, which I didn't know I was actually that. part of the plot of the novel and movie. Yeah, like I don't know. I, I think I always thought it was about an abortion or something. Um, but I think, mm -hmm. but oddly enough, I always mix it up with another Meryl Streep uh, movie, Kramer versus Kramer. I don't know why I always mix up Kramer versus Kramer and Sophie's <laughs> Choice. I've never seen either. I know Kramer versus Kramer, I think, is about a custody battle. And I know, yes. and I know Sophie's yes. Choice was about kids. So I thought like, oh, wow, and Kramer versus Kramer, the kid really has to make a Sophie's Choice or something. You know, I oh thought Sophie God. was like choosing between a, her parents or something. Did, the kid is named Sophie. Yeah, exactly. she has to make a Sophie's <laughs> Choice between living with mom or dad. Jesus Christ. I really was conflating oh, those two no. movies my entire life. <laughs> but now I know. And, you know, it, it's like... You know, I, I look at old movies like this and old important movies and, and stuff, and I'm like, that sounds pretty good. It obviously was a great movie, nominated for all those awards, and, and you know, Meryl Streep obviously does a great performance in it, as always. And um, But I'm like, I'm never going to sit down and watch Sophie's Choice. No. And there no, are... Absolutely not. There are countless movies like that where I'm like, yeah, that's, I bet that's a good old movie, but, man, it's time has passed. You know, I, it's, just, uh, it's just history now, you know? Yeah. It's just something that I know exists uh that i you know i'm never gonna sit down and go oh i know what i want to watch tonight sophie's choice yeah i'm not i'm not gonna be scrolling on max or paramount plus yeah and put it on like, your watch Ooh, sophie's <laughs> choice is here babe they've got sophie's choice do you want to cry for three hours i don't know how long sophie's choice is but yeah i'm, I'm assuming it's uh uh not sub two hours right i think that's a, probably a safe bet um, I, I think it's law that Holocaust movies have to be longer than three hours. I think it's just, they're like, <laughs> uh, you got to give it its, you know, give Sophie's it room. Choice movie. Two hours and 30 minutes. Damn, I was close. There oh, you go. It's on Hulu, not Max. All right. Oh, my gosh. So imagine watching Sophie's Choice with ads. <laughs> Holy fuck. <laughs> so that's what Sophie Choice. <laughs> so here's where we're going to rejoin. So that's what Sophie's Choice means. <laughs> ah, all right. <laughs> Meanwhile, 28 minutes of talk in between there. <laughs> Um, that's why you got to join the Patreon. Ted will tell you that, about that in a second. Uh, here's some other trivia and tidbits from the episode. I did not recognize Joel Murray as bus driver number one. Joel Murray is the youngest of the nine Murray brothers and is a veteran of over 250 sitcom episodes. He has been a series regular on the comedies Grand, Pacific Station, Love and War, Dharma and Greg, and Still Standing. Wow. He also ha recurred on the series Mike and Molly, My Boys, and Two and a Half Men. And Joel played Freddie Rumson on AMC's Mad Men. And yes, by Murray Brothers, I mean he is the younger brother of Brian Doyle and Bill Murray. And I think there's a couple of other, maybe, well, there's nine, obviously, nine Murrays. But I think there's one or two other acting Murrays that I'm forgetting about. I, I like how you led with not the most famous one. Brian Doyle. <laughs> the, the one that we know from the curb, from the Seinfeld Extended Universe. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Bubble Boy's dad, Brian yeah, Doyle Yeah, Bubble Murray. Boy's dad. Exactly. Bill Murray, I mean, beyond curb, yeah. if you want us to mention Se you first. Secondary <laughs> Bill, secondary actor Bill Murray. <laughs> yeah, so Larry has collected two Murray brothers now. Here's, uh, let me see, another bu a bus passenger I missed, missed blah. another bus passenger I missed was Hugh Dane. 
a.k.a. Hank, the security guard, on 22 episodes of The Office. Oh, man. Yeah, and the last episode of The Office aired in 2013, which means that, uh, you know, he was kind of a recognizable guy from those little... He's, he, I wouldn't call him an extra. I mean, he had speaking roles and stuff, but I don't I don't know if there was ever a Hank episode of The Office. So um, he passed, by the way, soon after this episode in 2018. Uh, Hugh Dane passed away, yeah. Um, and the waiter, uncredited in the episode, was played by John Rudnitsky, who I remember from one season on SNL, but he made his mark with a Dirty Dancing-inspired Weekend Update desk bit that I highly recommend seeking out because he sort of he starts doing this like interpretive dance behind the desk to uh, I think we're alone now and it involves like I don't remember like killing somebody and like burying them it, it gets really wild and he he's not talking at all just the song is playing and it's absolutely oh hilarious so the uh, um, time of yeah. my life song yeah yeah okay like so uh, no yeah so it's the running just as fast as we can do 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 no that's not time of my life um i think we're alone i think we're alone okay okay yeah yeah that one uh not time of my life Um, all right i'll have to to look this up i'm i've already got so many tabs open of things that i need to look up whenever we're done recording i've got uh how to easily hang a picture i've got a thing that i'm still trying to trying to play whenever we get out of trivia and tidbits i've got the cast of the bachelor now i've got john rednitsky and i'm not going to remember what any of these fucking things are for I don't think I would have recognized John Rudnick. I obviously didn't as the waiter, but when I saw his name, I was like, and and I'm a member of the um, SNL subreddit, which is our <laughs> live from New York, by the way, not SNL or anything. Um, and John Rudnitsky, people get a little circle jerky about him. It's one of the, it's one of those sub, it's one of those subreddit things, you know, when people bring oh, up, yeah, yeah. There, so there's, it's, it's a subreddit thing in there. People bringing up John Rudnitsky and his dirty dancing bit. That I believe. So, so yeah. you're saying the ultimate shit post would be to post in our <laughs> live from New York saying, This is hilarious. Has everyone has anyone ever seen this? <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Man, believe it or not, that is all the trivia and tidbits from the wow. episode. A nice uh nice brisk <laughs> trivia and tidbits. Holy shit. Wow. We've been, it's already four twenty-three. <laughs> Uh, okay, do we have any continuity that needs curbed? I don't think so. Oh, wait, hang on a second. I'm sorry, I did forget one thing because okay. that's, uh, I'm, and I'm glad I brought up Reddit too. So here's another appearance of actor and chef Michael E. Perry. Supposedly, this is from the trivia section, actor Michael E. Perry and Larry David were sitting in a hot tub smoking cigars and watching Smokey and the Bandit. The scene mm. in Bandit when Buford T. Justice is taking or is talking to another sheriff on the radio and finally sees him in person, and he turns out to be a black guy when he thought he was white, inspired this episode, which, again, I find really hard to believe. In fact, I posted something on (laughs) our curb, like, hey, does anyone know anything about this guy? And no one has said anything. Just someone in the subreddit went, report it. I'm like, I don't know if I can report it. Maybe it is true, but who is this guy? (laughs) And is he real? Why is he in? Why does he? And and I, like, collected all of the appearances of Michael E. Perry makes in the trivia sections of, I think it's four or five episodes of season nine. I'm like, does anyone know what this is about? I think it's just some guy who inserted himself into the trivia section. Um, (laughs) Maybe I will report it and see what happens. But I was hoping somebody in the subreddit could go, oh, yeah, that's Larry David's best friend in the world, Michael E. Perry. (laughs) But no one has any info. So that's the that's it, and no no continuity or anything either. Okay, Hugh, uh, <laughs> if you have never listened to us before, we are not a research heavy show. Despite the last forty seven minutes being, which was not almost, a lot of recess, <laughs> no, research. I mean, not a lot of no, research. It was a uh, m- despite most of that being a lot of uh, research and bullshit. Uh, heavy. Heavy on the bullshit <laughs> this week. We like to have our questions pop up naturally in the run of the episodes and assign them to ourselves the week following as though we're giving ourselves homework. I've never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before in the last six years. Um, I'm trying to think if I need to change up the phrasing of that because you actually you, I was, you haven't seen them. I was going to say that. Yeah, I, I have never seen these episodes. So I think you can definitely start saying, I've never seen these episodes before. Tim has never, never seen, these, seen epi- these episodes before. We're both <laughs> watching them for the first time ever. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over anything, please send us an email or send us a tweet or a DM on Instagram. It's no hugging, no learning show at gmail.com, at no hugging on X, excuse me, or <laughs> no hugging underscore no learning 
on Instagram. All those links are down in the description. Uh, if you like us, you can give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts along with a nice written review. You can also give us a five-star rating on Spotify. No review there. Only review us on yeah. Apple Podcasts. Um, if you've already done that, and you like us a little bit, maybe you want to help us out a little bit, help us grow or, or help us sustain. Anyway, <laughs> you can join us over on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash no hugging, where for five bucks a month, you can join the It's a Hyundai tier and get early access to extended versions of every single episode. You remember how I said we were at 47, now 49 minutes? You get all mm. of that over on Patreon, and you can join the likes of Liam M., Michael Klatsky, Derek Wayne, Nate Collins, Tamara Ortiz, the guys and gals over at the Idiotville Podcast, John Murphy, Danica Ligorio, J-Dog Conlord, Nick Kudla, Adam Webb, and Megan Stolarski. Speaking of our Patreon audience, on our recent episode, thank you for our service. I want to shout out Danica Ligorio and J-Dog Conlord for commenting, can't believe that Sammy's fiance is none other then Chet Hanks, a.k.a. Tom Hanks' son, a.k.a., and this is very timely because yeah. as of our record, it's two days following this year's rendition, a.k.a. the dude who busted out some white boy Jamaican patois <laughs> at the Golden Globes a couple of years ago. And Tim, I have got this nice and queued up Let's and ready to go. Big up, big up the whole island massive. It's your boy Chet and I coming straight from the Golden Globes, you are saying? Don't say my name. Don't say my name while you're doing that. Oh, Tom Hanks in the background there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, let me, awful. Let me, that's bad. So Chet Hayes can do a flawless Jamaican patois, but Tom Hanks could never do that, if you ask me. No. You no. Know? I mean <laughs> Tom Hanks wishes. So, he could do the Jamaican dialect that his yeah. that his white son could do. Who's got the real talent? <laughs> yeah, Tom Hanks is Woody, but Chet <laughs> Hanks, come on. Chet Hanks could play Woody, but Tom Hanks could never do a flawless Jamaican patois. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, patreon.com slash no hugging is where you can find that link down in the description. You can get the first seven days for free as well, but that's not the only way that you can help out the podcast, Tim. How else can they do it? You can go to Libsyn and start your own podcast journey. Just use the promo code HUGGING, H-U-G-G-I-N-G. When you go to Libsyn.com, you can get up to two months free. And here's, don't tell Libsyn I told you to do this, but go to Libsyn.com, use the promo code HUGGING, get two months free, record 60 episodes, record an episode every day. You can do two a day if you want. Record as many as you can in that two months, and then just, you got them for like, you got podcasts for years. You know, just what? do as many as you can in that during that free trial and then just put them out. You know, yeah. you didn't hear it from us. <laughs> you did not, we did not tell you to do this, but like just go and use the promo code hugging uh, at libsyn.com. And, uh, you know, uh, all it would take is all of the research and, and work that goes into doing a podcast yeah. every single day. In fact, uh, this, in addition this to whatever you do for a living. <laughs> in fact, this actively hurts our relationship with Libsyn. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> If they were to hear that we're telling you to do this, they would say, uh-uh, no, we don't want you to do that anymore. I think it's anything that someone with a full-time job can definitely do. Record yeah. a podcast episode every single day, maybe two, <laughs> just to save yourself the minimal amount that a Libsyn subscription costs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so the promo code is hugging at Libsyn.com. Whatever you do with it, it's uh, it's not our not our thing. <laughs> Not our problem. Why'd you, why'd you make it sound so dirty there at the end? <laughs> Whatever you do with it, it's not our business. Whatever you do, just you know, the only the only <laughs> thing you need to mention is hugging and don't tell Libson anything else about us. We didn't even meet, okay? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh all right. All that being said, season nine, episode eight, never wait for seconds. Exclamation point. <laughs> Original air date, November 19th, 2017. And if you were looking at TV Guide that night, you were going to see Bridget asks Larry for a favor on behalf of her son, period. Larry earns unexpected gratitude in a buffet line, period. Not bad. Luckily, we might not have to do anything to it. We'll see when we get to, uh, <laughs> when we get to the end, if we have to use up any time for that. Uh, <laughs> we open at Larry's office, and he sees a couple engaged in PDA and shoos them away from his first floor window there. 
Meanwhile, a maintenance man comes in. His name is Caesar, and he has fixed the fluorescent lights that were humming or something like that. And Larry is very thankful to him. So thankful, in fact, that he offers him a tip, which Caesar turns down. No, this is my job. I, I can't accept that. This is just what I do. And Larry finds that turning down a tip commendable. In fact, maybe even rarer than a man turning down sex is what Caesar has done here, turning down <laughs> a tip. And so Larry says he will remember that Caesar turned down the tip, uh, even though it looked like a five. You know, knowing Larry, it wasn't I, much. I was, I was going to say, <laughs> I think it looked like a ten. Yeah, um, but still, that now you now that's a life debt to Larry that you saved him ten dollars that he was given. Uh, gonna spend. Given the end of the episode, and we'll get to this later, Tim. I think it would make sense that it is a Hamilton. Oh boy! Oh my gosh! Wow! <laughs> wow! 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 <laughs> Uh, so over at, I think you just uh, like found a huge Easter egg for the whole uh, episode. Uh, so over at Bridget's house, Larry is telling her that Marty Funkhauser is back together with Marilyn and they've invited them to brunch to kind of smooth over the friendship. And, you know, this is the woman that gave Funk the ultimatum that, you know, it's me or Larry and Larry didn't like the tap water and all that. And so uh, Eddie comes down and he turns down the toast that his mother has made for him because he can't see the butter on it. And Eddie also <laughs> asks if they're, if you know the couple is having sex. And Larry says that it is imminent. And Eddie says, "Gross." You know, as, as he as he storms off, you know, Eddie is being his normal a hole self. And uh, Larry says that he needs discipline. While Bridget agrees, she just you know she just can't do it. You know, again. Reminding Larry, I think at this point he is on the spectrum, and that's why he acts like that. But Bridget does want to get him into Pemberton Academy, which Susie, I think she says, told her. Larry donated a bunch of Seinfeld stuff to, and Larry is uninterested in helping. I like how he brushes off. He's like, um, uh, she's like, you know, could you, could you, since you have that relationship, he's like, oh, I don't know, my assistant does all that. And she's like, oh, well, you know, I, I did feel bad about sending him to boarding school. Well, now... Larry is, yeah, that's, he finds out it's 90 minutes away. Yeah, his his ears start to perk up at boarding school. And as soon as soon as soon as Bridget says, it's like an hour and a half away, he's full bore into helping out now. <laughs> I love his self-serving 180s. This is such a funny thing that Larry does when he finds out that it will help him to, do a, to put in a little bit of effort into life. He's like, well, no, hang on. No, no, no. Uh, I think you should definitely do this. You know, it, it's, it, it. It was a favor at first, but now that it serves Larry, he's all about it. But he also still wants the karma from doing a favor for somebody as well. Uh, but I just love I just love those 180s he takes. Over at Herringbone, which was at 1755 Ocean Avenue in Santa Monica, it had sister restaurants in La Jolla, now closed. Vegas closed February of 2020. Always <laughs> weird uh, to see that. And Waikiki, which, as far as I can tell, is still open if you want to go oh, to the Herringbone sweet. location. Yeah. Uh, this restaurant moved from West Hollywood to Santa Monica in 2015. And then the founder left. Uh, he was also, I think, the head chef. And he left in 2018. So it probably closed uh, sometime around then. Larry asks Bridget. They're there um, meeting. That's where their brunch is. Larry asks if Eddie, if he's sure that he's like, his, has he ever been like, you know, officially diagnosed or is this just something you're kind of feeling and from Bridget's answer it seems to be the latter that she just have, is kind of saying he's on the spectrum and he hasn't actually you know been diagnosed or seen anybody about that but mm -hmm. it's it's we never really get a definitive answer except for her to say like well you know he's he's on the spectrum he's on the spectrum uh, Caesar calls Larry to get permission to watch the Mexico Argentina World Cup game in Larry's office uh, because he has all the channels and he's he's not going to make it home in time to watch while he's there fixing some, a leak at the office. And so Larry feels kind of obligated because he turned on the tip. This will satisfy his debt to Caesar. And so he says it's okay. Um, I thought it was such rich guy shit to have every single cable channel and not even know it, you know, just to pay for that. Oh and my God, just have yeah. it be, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. When, when you get the cable in your office, like, yeah, I just, I just give me literally every single channel. What's the bill? $500 a month, maybe more, whatever. Um, yeah, I'll take that. It, and not, Larry, not even knowing, why do you have to watch in my office? Cause you have every channel, like even the ones with like play in games for the world cup, you know, which I, I, I thought that tracked with Larry 
and Funkhauser and Marilyn show up and Larry apologizes right away, just like trying to, uh, you know, smooth things over. You know, I'm sorry uh, the, uh, the way I acted before. And let's just let's do a fresh start. It's at that point that Larry sends away the sparkling water that he and Bridget ordered and demands unfiltered tap water come to the table, uh, impressing Marilyn. And also Funkhauser says, and you know what? Bring us the best champagne you got. Let's live it up. And so they are going to do that. Meanwhile, in the brunch buffet line a little bit later, Larry begins defending a man who is getting seconds but not waiting in line. He just kind of like cut in to get the one thing he wanted, which, you know, everyone's kind of waiting for the eggs to be prepared and stuff. And the guy kind of cuts in because he just wants some some potatoes, but the line just jumps on him. But Larry comes to his defense saying, you know, in America, never wait for seconds. The titular line there with exclamation point. Uh, we don't wait for seconds. He already waited once. You know, he's not waiting for all this. He just wants one little thing. And so um, Larry even's like, let me serve you, sir. And like gets the potatoes out for him and puts them on his plate. And the whole line apologizes to the guy. They're like, oh, wow, you know, sorry about that. We overreacted. Uh, you know, we didn't mean to yell at you like that. And the guy is is very uh, impressed and pleased with this uh, with this turn of events here. Back at the table, um, I, I, I do like that it's revealed. Larry says, hey, you know what? If we want seconds now, we just go right to the front of the line. So, <laughs> <laughs> again, he was not being altruistic. He was being completely self-serving. Yeah, he was absolutely <laughs> doing it for himself. <laughs> yeah, he's like, you know what? If we want seconds, we don't have to wait in line now. <laughs> That's the only reason he did it. Uh, straight to the front. Uh, Larry comments on Marilyn's excessive use of ketchup. And Marilyn uh, challenges him and pours even more ketchup on her plate. Larry's like, you know what? I, I don't think you're going to finish all that. And Marilyn says, watch me. But while eating, the fork kind of gets fumbled and she gets a bunch of ketchup on her shirt and wants to go home, which, you know, Larry is like, <laughs> I like his response because Funk and Bridget are both like, oh, no, come on. No, you're, 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 your sweater covers it up. It's not that much. You can get a wet towel. And, and, and Larry's like, yeah, go. Yeah, go. Yeah, you should go. go. You should leave. <laughs> I mean, just an asshole. But Funkhauser and Marilyn get up and they do leave, which Larry realizes he has now been left with the expensive champagne bill. We uh, don't learn how much the champagne is here. We don't learn that until right. a little bit later, I think, right? Right, right. Okay. Although I don't know much about wine labels, but it looked like a bottle of Dom Perignon, if I was Ooh. going to guess. Yeah, I think that gold shield looked kind of familiar to me. Not that I've ever had a bottle, but I know what it looks like. Um, and So Bridget has to go to the bathroom before they leave, and Larry is waiting in the little you know hallway for her there. And that's when the guy who was getting seconds comes up and thanks Larry for defending him against the angry line. And he calls him Mr. David. And Larry goes, how do you know my name? And the guy <laughs> reveals that he recognized him when he came in. And Larry's like, Fatwa? But this guy changed his mind about killing Larry. Uh, he is a devout Muslim, but he changed his mind about killing Larry after he defended him in this way. And he says he has some very powerful friends who he will pass along the story to about what Larry did today. God, and then he disappears without a trace. Larry does ask him his name. And he does have a name. I don't ever remember hearing it in the episode. Do you? Uh, I, I, he didn't say his name. He, he yeah. said, my name is not important. Yeah. He, unless, they he pull, unless they pull a SpongeBob and his driver's license says not important. <laughs> it is not. I'll, I'll tell you it's Morsi. But again, that didn't sound. The only thing I can think is that they say it a little bit later when he um, pops up. But I never heard that name throughout the entire run of the series. But watching the uh, episode, but watching the credits, I was like. Huh, Morsi. Okay, do not remember that. Yeah, um, no, I don't. I don't remember anybody yeah. saying that <laughs> at all. <laughs> so after uh, brunch, uh, and I guess they've spent the entire day together. In fact, Larry and Bridget, and Bridget is feeling very thankful, and so gratitude sex is on the menu for Larry. But as they walk into Bridget's house, Eddie is still awake, even though the babysitter, who's nowhere to be found. Was supposed to put it. Was supposed to put him to bed and then leave? Is that what the? I I, I, that's what I'm kind of getting out of this. Yeah. <laughs> and why don't they? Oh, that's right. Larry says he did say the heat is still broken. 
But he doesn't say that until later, but it does make me wonder why they didn't go to Larry's house. But now I guess I just answered the question myself, why they never... But, like, he has gone to hotels just for sex in the past. Like, yes. even when Even when a venue has been available. Like, get a hotel room, dude. You know? Even if, even if you got to get, like, the nicest room, whatever, at the Ritz for an hour, and then you leave, too, afterwards and check out, I think it would be worth it to you, Larry. Uh, so, Eddie is still awake, which means that... You know, it doesn't look good for Larry's prospects uh, to get lucky. But Bridget does say, if you can get him to bed, then the offer still stands. And so Larry runs up to Eddie's room and forces him down on the bed saying, you get under those covers. You go to sleep. I'm going to have sex with your mother. (laughs) 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 Which I guess means that Eddie did go to bed. I don't I don't know. I I guess. I mean, we don't get like, you know, a... uh in progress shot or anything we don't get like a a scene of a headboard beaten against the wall (laughs) or anything yeah or even the post um you know sheets pulled up to the chest shot uh we we get no indication that that he actually sealed the deal and you think it's been such a big deal for the past couple episodes that you figure they'd give us some they give us something yeah Yeah. give us something (laughs) so in back in larry's office marty comes in to apologize for leaving and i like marty's revisionist memory of this he's like well yeah we ordered the champagne because you said you wanted to live it up <laughs> I love that he attributes that to larry now it's like no you said let's live it up <laughs> and larry's like if anything i like to live it down yeah, yeah, i like to live it down i don't live it up i live it down i love that he attributes. remember we were gonna live it up no you said let's live it up <laughs> um and so he's not apologizing for sticking Larry with the expensive champagne bill. He's apologizing for leaving early, not the $250 champagne, as we find <laughs> out. He's like, if you're sorry, give me 250 bucks. And Marty says, that would be a cash apology. This apology is from the heart. It is worth more, but not to Larry David. Um, and I'm kind of on Larry's side with this one. Yes, absolutely. In what world is, oh, I'm sorry, we left early, worth yeah. more than $250 in cash? Especially give me when the cash. It, not only did Funk say, let's live it up, he said, and bring us your finest bottle of champagne. Yeah, those were your words, yeah. Marty. That's your bottle. They just happened to open it as you left. So, yeah, but, but an apology from the heart is better than cash. Uh, meanwhile, Caesar comes in and says that he couldn't watch the game because he, he his wife his wife was making him do chores. He had to go home after he was done at the office and, and do chores at home, so he didn't get to watch the game. So, he, you know, Larry is still on the hook. Uh, even though he didn't take him up on on his offer, you know, Larry's on the hook for it. And so uh, Larry is uh, uh, instead Caesar asks if he can bring his kids to the country club pool to swim. Larry says that the point of a tip is that you are in debt to me, but you flipped it. You flipped the tip. And by denying the tip, now I owe you something, which Larry hates. Um, but he does relent and agrees that, all right, we've, we've got to make it even. Um, he's like, this to me was a hilarious line. One of my favorites of maybe the whole season uh, where he goes, but you can't swim at the country club. They're racist. And he's like, why do you belong to a racist country club? He's like, oh, they're all like that. <laughs> this was hilarious. Was like, ah, they're, they're, they're all just like that. That's how they operate. Like, <laughs> you're still a member of a racist country club there, yeah, Larry. Yeah. That doesn't That doesn't make you look any better. Yeah, it was like, well, he has to be the member of a country club, and they're all racist. So. <laughs> At least he, he's um, a member of one that's minority-owned. You know, Mr. Takahashi is Asian, so, I mean, that that helps out a little bit. But he's not going to accept any Mexican, you know, any Hispanic members. <laughs> I just love that. He's like, well, no. He just says it so nonchalantly, like, well, but you can't swim at the country club. They're racist. Uh, what else can we? He's like, why do you remember? <laughs> they're all like that. <laughs> Uh, but that's when Funkhauser comes back from going to the bathroom and Larry's like, Hey, he's got a pool. Will you let Caesar swim in your pool? And Funkhauser tries to get out of it. He's like, Oh, oh, we might have family stop by. You never know. And Larry's like, I tell you what, we're even if you let Caesar and his family swim in your swimming pool. One thing that I loved about the storyline is they keep saying little Caesar. <laughs> yes. My God. His son, his son, little Caesar. <laughs> it's such a funny, and it's not played for laughs. They don't, they never say it at the end of, and they never say it as a punchline. It's just said so often. It makes you think of the pizza place. Oh, little Caesar. <laughs> you know, like, Oh, little Caesar. I promised little Caesar that we'd do it. Uh, I just thought it was such a funny runner through, through this part of the episode, but Marty can't pass up that deal that they're even on the two fifty If 
Caesar and his family can come swim in the pool. And so <laughs> gives them the number. Tell them this Saturday is probably good. Uh, we get at this point a montage of the guy from the buffet interviewing people from Larry David's past. This had echoes of the Seinfeld finale to me, by the way, of previous people from the show coming back to essentially be character witnesses for yeah. the star. You yeah. know? But I still loved it. I mean, we have the carpool lane prostitute. We have the kamikaze pilot's son. Uh, we have Denise Handicap. And and meanwhile, all these people are saying things that they think paint Larry David in, in a, a bad negative light. light. Yeah. Yeah. Where she's like, yeah, yeah, he bought a prostitute. And the guy's like, oh, okay, but you you didn't have sex. She's like, no, he could have had all this. All he wanted me for was for the carpool lane. He's like, oh, wow, okay. So <laughs> Interesting. He, he, didn't, he didn't have sex. And then he talks to the kamikaze pilot. And he's like, but your dad's still alive. And he's like, he... He uh he, he grazed rushed, the yeah, he grazed the yeah, that's what it was. And he's like, So Larry David was right. And he writes that down in his little notebook. <laughs> and then he finds out from Denise Handicap that he dated two uh women in wheelchairs, which obviously makes him look great. He even um, says he even says under his breath, commendable. Commendable. <laughs> yeah. And but meanwhile, Denise is like, he's like, so he dated two women in wheelchairs and she's like at least and she's saying it angry because she was being cheated on by larry with, a, with someone in a wheelchair but he's like commendable uh he talks to the big vagina nurse who stole the millie uh, the the mickey mantle baseball from richard lewis and even she has to admit that larry was right about that um he's like so it's not really about larry it's more about the and he does the big vagina the big vagina <laughs> yeah he holds his hands up and and uh cups them together a little bit <laughs> and opens them up he's like big enough for a mickey mantle baseball she's like yes it's like okay um he talks to crazy eyes killer who mentions that not only did he yeah first time we've seen crazy eyes in <laughs> a, a long time yeah yeah maybe like 10 years uh if, if we're going real time but um yeah, and and Crazy Eyes not only mentions that he that Larry David blew his mind lyrically and opened opened up a whole new uh, avenue of rhyme for him, but he saved me from marriage to a lesbian, which I think is great <laughs> real life slash curb canon because you know because uh, um, Wanda Sykes Wanda Sykes came out you know uh, in between the Crazy Eyes Killer episodes <laughs> and and these episodes airing, so I thought that was that's, a hilarious acknowledgement. Really yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was really good and would almost unfortunately while i think this is a great episode not to tip my hand too much um unfortunately you have to have seen a lot of curb to really enjoy a lot of this that's um, very true i, I think you, that's one of its this detriments is, this is one episode you really wouldn't be able to watch uh just as a one-off yeah yeah if you were like introducing somebody to curb they would they would probably hate it they'd go i didn't understand that whole montage there <laughs> um he talks to the woman from the ski lift and the the best part about that is she's like, well, you know, it was after dark and I'm not allowed to be with a man. And so he wouldn't jump. So I had to jump. And the guy's like, so he refused to follow Jewish orthodoxy. And she's like, yeah. oh, yeah, big what time. Is, he said the, 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 ten, the, tenets, the of tenets of Jewish of orthodox. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, Jesus. That was hilarious to me. Uh, and then he talks to Michael J. Fox, who admits that he was deliberately harassing Larry David by clomping around <laughs> and he shook up the soda on purpose. Yeah. And I I love that Michael J. Fox still offered him the soda. <laughs> he he politely declines. And what does Michael J. Fox say to him? He's like, pussy. Yes. That was so funny. He's like, Can Holy I offer you a soda? He's like, uh, no, thank you. He's like, pussy. <laughs> Yeah, this, this montage just cracked me up. I mean, it was it was such such a great uh, little sequence. Uh, over at Pemberton Academy, Larry is meeting with the administrators about Eddie's admission, and they are inquiring about the longevity uh, prospects of his relationship to Eddie's mom because you know, like they'll do a favor for Larry because he has donated a lot of you know Seinfeld scripts and stuff for their fundraisers, um, but if if he's not going to be a part of the familial unit, they're not, they don't really want to admit Eddie. Um, and Larry turns it kind of into a therapy session. You know, he won't necessarily answer all their questions. They're like, well, what, I mean, you know, what are you guys uh, a couple? Are you, he's like, oh, well, I don't know. What, what do you think? Like a couple, like staying over uh, in the same bed. What, who can sleep with someone who wants to do that? <laughs> and out of that, he like, he goes into a whole offshoot about uh, Las Vegas. Oh yeah. 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 Like, uh, you know, uh, 
oh man, you know, when you're in a relationship, it's like you have to pretend not to have fun. When you, if you go out of town for to Las Vegas, you have to say, oh no, no, I didn't have fun. And then yeah. he talks to your friends later, and they say, oh yeah, he had a blast. And she comes back and tells you, like, no, no, they had a blast. I didn't have any fun. <laughs> I, I would say it's like he's doing a stand-up bit, but it's yeah. like he's trying to remember a memorized stand-up bit, which is even worse. Yeah, I mean, and he is he is remembering what life was like when he was married, you know, and that's kind of what they're bringing up. Like, you know, are, is this a long-term relationship? And he's like, Oh geez, well, you get into a long-term relationship. You have to do this and that and, and all the bad things about sleeping in the same bed. And, you know, um, it, so it, it really is like a therapy session. He's like, like dumping all this stuff on them about what he had to go through when he was in a long-term relationship or in any long-term relationship. The, the Las Vegas thing reminded me, because it's on my mind because there's a lot of she has a lot of travel coming up but like for instance sarah gets to go to new orleans for work oh, later this man. month i know that's cool and she always has to go oh no we're in like conference all day and you know and meanwhile like little details eke out where she's like yeah you know and then we went to this like five-star restaurant and like <laughs> we stayed all night at the bar and you know like it, it but she 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 does the same thing and i probably have too in the past where like if you go on a solo trip you don't talk too much about what a great time you had without yeah. the other person that's that's what i've always done too is like oh yeah you know it was fun yeah met some people networked we we went to dinner yeah. a couple of times but that's it <laughs> larry promises nine he was like i can give you nine months and they're like that's not very long he's like i'm sorry i meant <laughs> nine happy months and then years of being miserable together so he can promise a long-term relationship but nine of those months will be happy maybe not even consecutively is kind of the feeling that i got like when you add up all their happy days it might be nine months uh and that's good enough for them meanwhile though funkhauser calls and he cannot host caesar anymore at his house because uh, marilyn wants to go to catalina so he's going to catalina and i love this was i love this part larry's like oh what well caesar's gonna be so disappointed he's gonna have to tell little caesar and marty goes i don't know little caesar i don't know caesar goodbye. <laughs> like like, it does not matter to Funk at all. These are people he has met for five, one guy he met for five seconds at Larry's office. I don't know them. I don't feel bad that they feel bad. Goodbye. <laughs> I'm going on a trip with my girlfriend. Uh, but and it does make Larry, you know, he's like, well, wait a second. He's like, uh, what if? So he kind of ties in Caesar being able to use Pemberton Academy's pool with the whole situation. And so they agree to that as well so it seems like eddie is uh, you know it seems like eddie's admission is not going to be a problem as they say to pemberton and caesar can use the pool back over at herringbone we find out from bridget that eddie did not get into pemberton because caesar's family left the pool befouled and pemberton is not happy so they are not letting eddie in funkhauser and marilyn show up as I, this news is revealed yeah what, what do we think befouled means what do you think they did to the pool i mean there has to be poop that's for, what I was thinking too. Did did yeah. little Caesar poop in the pool? Little Caesar might have pooped in the pool. I think <laughs> that might be what happened. <laughs> Poor little Caesar. Um, yeah, and Funk and Marilyn show up, and Bridget storms out. She's like, "Yeah, we just had an I gotta go argument." I think she calls it, which is a great term. <laughs> and I I loved Larry's feign of concern. He's just like, "Ah, oh, oh, no, oh, no, no, no!" As he runs out, and like he says, "Perfect timing on on the uh, the server as well," and pops the bottle, and Larry's like, "Enjoy the champagne." Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was hilarious. By the time Larry gets out to the valet stand, though, Bridget has already gotten in her car and driven <laughs> she away. Sped away. Yeah, yeah, they had her car quick, <laughs> right there by the front. Uh, maybe she even told them when she parked it, like, "Hey, you know what? Keep it handy. I'm coming right out. Uh, just keep it right here." <laughs> That's true. She did arrive <laughs> she, angry. Yeah, she did. Yeah. Um, so I think she knew she knew the plan. Uh, and Larry, though. Right after she pulls away, this Mercedes pulls up right behind her, and it's the guy from the buffet. I should use his name because we know it, but they never say it. It's Morrissey, and he says, which makes it sound like I just said Morrissey. It <laughs> it's does. Morrissey. You say you say it quick enough, and it's like so. Morrissey comes by. Morrissey pulls up, and he's like, "Larry, get in the car." And Larry's like, "Okay, Jesus Christ, um, I guess I will." Um, <laughs> no, it's Morrissey. Morsey, which still sounds like Morrissey, no matter how you say it. This is its own curb bit here. Yeah, exactly. Are you saying Morrissey or Morsey? It's it's the guy from the buffet. 
and he tells Larry to get in the car. When Larry comes to, I guess he has been drugged or knocked out or something. We don't see it happen, but he does come to in a room where some kind of council tribunal is taking place. There's a bunch of, you know, Muslim cleric looking guys sitting at a table and the buffet guy is recounting Larry's story about, you know, about saving him at the buffet line. And the the guys are are looking over his research and say, well, you know, what about Halloween? He did not give out Halloween candy. He's like, ah, yes, but these girls were teenagers. And they were 16. Yeah, they were not supposed to be uh, getting candy in the first place. So he was, you know, he was following that rule. And he's like, well, it looks like here he'll have sex with anyone. And Morsi (laughs) has an answer for that, too including a Palestinian, to which Larry remarks, twice. Twice. <laughs> and all the guys are very impressed by that. Um, it's, at, uh, it's at this point that a food that food is delivered to all of the, uh, these, these, the tribunal. Uh, and they, they're all various manners of fried food. There's onion rings and you know, stuff like that. And these little tiny bowls. It was really, it was really weird production design. <laughs> um, and ketchup is dispensed by the first guy at, at the table. Uh, the the guy who seems to be in charge, though, says, I will talk to the Ayatollah myself. And if I was going to guess, I would say that the fatwa will be lifted. And Larry's thoughts immediately go to the musical. What about fatwa the musical? And the guy says, if you can get Lin-Manuel Miranda to star in fatwa, <laughs> you may proceed. And Larry acknowledges that's going to be a tall order because he kind of does his own stuff. But uh, the meeting ends in a fight over that first guy using up all of the ketchup and putting way more on than he is ever going to eat. <laughs> I, and they all kind of storm out of the room. And I did love the the callback of him saying, is there a ketchup shortage that I'm not aware of? <laughs> yeah, he uses the same line that Marilyn does. Same exact line, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and even one guy at the end says, this is why I said we should switch to packets. And Larry points at him like, yeah, see, I said that. They're going to switch to packets. <laughs> if you keep doing that. Uh, yeah, but the, the meeting ends. But now Larry does have his musical if he can get Lin-Manuel Miranda to be in it. Larry <laughs> is dropped back off at Herringbone, and the driver declines a tip, and Larry does not want anybody to flip a tip on him again. And so they begin fighting over accepting the tip or not accepting it as Frolic starts to play, and that's the end of the episode. Yeah, they're, they're literally balling up the money and throwing <laughs> it at each other at the end. Yeah, yeah, he's like trying to <laughs> shove it in his pocket and stuff. Uh, all right, Tim, what do we got for homework this week? I didn't write anything down. Nothing at all? Yeah, nothing. I didn't even recognize anybody from the credits that, that I thought I might. All right, dang. Yeah. What do you like for cover art this week? Mm, I mean, Larry at the in the tribunal kind of gives a lot away, but it, it's not bad. But Larry defending the guy at the buffet... Doesn't give a lot away, and I also like that too. What are you thinking? I like I like Larry in front of the uh, the council. Yeah. Um, I don't know what else. Can't think of anything else really. Um, Larry forcing Eddie into bed. I don't know if there's like a wide shot of that. Um, <laughs> Larry straddling a child. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that he can have sex with his mom. <laughs> I like it. I'll make one of those work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, one of those has to work. All right, let's see what we can do about this week's description. All right. So we had, Bridget asks Larry for a favor on behalf of her son, period. Larry earns unexpected gratitude in a buffet line. It's not bad. I really like unexpected gratitude as well. What do you think? I I don't think it leaves anything out. I I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, I mean, the only thing it leaves out is flipping the tip, but that is definitely the C storyline. So yeah, I'm happy with it. Not just because right. it's a long episode. <laughs> as good right. as that is, though. Well, yeah, maybe our friends with the uh, the AI technology can do a little better. Let's look with Curb Your Enthuse-AI-ism. Yes, uh, here's the prompt. Please write a synopsis of episode eight of season nine of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Never wait for seconds, exclamation point. Let me remove that. Can I tell you the thing I hate about the Chromebook? No delete button only a backspace button really that's odd i use delete gotta sign in again let me (laughs) copy the prompt before i i I use delete so i hate the keyboard on this thing for some reason whatever it whatever it is they however it is they made this it's really weird and i i don't like it in never wait for seconds larry david along with his friend leon already not in this episode (laughs) nowhere in this episode faces various social challenges and awkward encounters the episode revolves around larry's efforts to obtain 
the perfect table at a restaurant and his strict adherence to the rule of not accepting seconds in social dining situations. Larry's insistence on maintaining social norms and following dining etiquette creates humorous situations and conflicts with friends and acquaintances as he navigates the complexities of social interactions, which I think is in every single one of these. His adherence to the no seconds rule leads to (laughs) misunderstandings, comic exchanges, quirky predicaments, that showcase Larry's unique and often controversial perspectives on social decorum. <laughs> Get fucked. Oh, my God. Pretty bad. Pretty, it's bad. It's real bad. Pretty bad. <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty bad. One of the worst. Chat, chat, GPT, one of the worst. <laughs> All right. Well, Tim, did you like this episode? I had to give this episode a full, unadulterated, unquestionable star. All I right. thought it was great. It, it may even be one of my... I don't know if it's one of my all-time favorites. I did li- I did like the little montage enough, and I thought it it put it into a different category that I mentioned earlier. It's it's kind of the only bad thing about the episode, but if you're if you've watched every episode like we have, it's a kind of a nice payoff that all that stuff came back and a very and very funny callbacks and a show that uses those very sparingly. So, I won't even say necessarily that it's a detriment. I'll say don't show it to your friend who's never seen an episode before, but um if you're a Curb fan, this has to be one of your favorites, I would think. Yeah, and I I I'm on the same boat as you. I, I'm going to give it a full star with the with the caveat, like you're saying, it's not in the playlist of I've never seen Curb Your Enthusiasm. What episodes should I watch? It's not on that list for yeah. obvious reasons, but it is a I would expect favorite of people who have seen the entire show up to this point. Yeah, and it's not done in a cheap like they don't show the clips of Larry hiring the prostitute or Larry or that woman jumping off the ski lift. It's like God, it, yeah, it's that was said in their own words. <laughs> yeah. So it's not Seinfeld finale in that way. They they say it in their own words and then the guy interprets them in his own way, which is just like 10 times funnier, you know. Yeah. And it it but that was just a super funny part of an already enjoyable, hilarious episode. I mean, you know, you get great Funkhauser in here. We get, you know, the storyline is, that's another reason you can't show anybody who's never seen it. I don't know why that keeps coming up, but like, it it, it sort of continues the storyline I mean, of the it's season. Kind of, it's kind of the ethos of our show. It is, it, yeah, I guess It probably right. should come First, up a little, a little often. I, I forgot, yeah. So seeing it for the first time, yeah. Um, but it, it continues the storyline. For the last two episodes we're gonna have you know a, a completed story arc you might you might imagine so it it opens up a whole new challenge and brings Which, back my yeah, god I'm, I'm so on board for because it's been a couple of seasons since we've had a fully realized story arc yeah the 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 main plot of the last season was what if Larry went to New York? Like, well, oh, and then not, what happened? Not even that. No, just... That was that was the main plot of the last half of the season. That's right. That's, that's right. <laughs> that's right. It's like, well, I don't know. What What do you mean? What happens? What if Larry lived in New York? <laughs> what if Larry lived in New York? That's what we're saying. Okay. <laughs> All right. We'll find uh, out. <laughs> um. Okay. Next week we have got season nine, episode nine, The Shucker. Original air day, November twenty sixth, twenty seventeen. And if you're looking in TV Guide that night, you're going to see Larry is blackmailed by an employee and tormented by someone from his past, period. Jeff and Larry pitch a new creative venture, period. Oh, well, I know from watching Next Time on Curb Your Enthusiasm that that creative venture is going to be that Fatwa the Musical is back on. I don't think I remember seeing anybody from Larry's past in the hmm. in the episode preview. Are we, uh, are we talking about Leon? Because he was not in this episode. Technically, that yeah. would be his past. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't remember who that is. So, uh, all right. I guess we'll find out. So, is that it? Yeah, I think that is it. All right. For No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good. <laughs>